Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. Receive these words from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you see and hear. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. As he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed this message were baptized, and that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Awe came over everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Well, good morning. I am Mia. It's my birth name, and it's the name that I was given in my baptism. I am a middle-aged female person who lives in this valley. I love to-do lists, but even more, I like checking them off, getting things done. I love those mountains. And I am a mother, I am a crossweight, I am an Idahoan, a native Idahoan, and those are kind of rare anymore, it seems. I am an American. I have named different ways of my identity, part of my personal identity, you know, who I am as, a, as an individual, and my collective identity, the identities I have with different important groups in my life. And all of us have those personal identities and those collective identities, those places where we belong and where we, that, you know, where we find meaning and, and where we you know, learn what's important in life. And every one of us has, you know, we have ways of thinking that we learn from others. They call it culture which are the different ways we think. And one of the diverse ways that cultures think about things is whether we are more focused on the individual or more focused on the collective. And so in individualistic cultures, we have great value on personal achievement. We value independence and the ways that we accomplish things on our own. And generally, the needs of the individual 
come first. In collective cultures, there is great value placed on loyalty, on team building. There is value placed on interdependence, all the ways we need each other to accomplish things. And generally, the needs of the family or the nation come first. So when they talk about this as a spectrum, no culture is really all the way individualistic or all the way communal. Western cultures, like America, we are pretty far over on the individualistic spectrum. Asian cultures, traditional Asian cultures, are pretty far over on the communal end. And in an individualistic uh, culture, the way you choose your occupation is based on personal fulfillment, you know, your own gift set. In a collective culture, occupation is generally chosen on what's best for the family, what's best for the country. In an individualistic culture, you choose your spouse based on preference, <laughs> love, affection. In a collective culture, you choose your spouse, you know, more about family connectedness. And sometimes cultures, more collective cultures, have arranged marriages. Well, our Western culture is, is quite individualistic. We're so individualistic, in fact, that the saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, is a, heard as a good thing. Now, if you think about it, that is actually impossible. I mean, it's ridiculous. You cannot lift yourself up by pulling on your boots, right? You're, you don't go up. But, but we have that. Pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps because we so value independence and personal achievement. But no culture is all the way. So while we have that very individualistic way, we still also have public education, which is about all of us, the good of all of us. We still have labor unions on this Labor Day, we mark, um, of people coming together for the common good. Well, ancient Israel, Jesus' culture, was very collective, much more like traditional Asian cultures today. So they were very committed to loyalty, and we hear that over and over in the gospel. Who are you loyal to? They really valued that. They valued what was good for the whole community. And that's why things like your neighbor worshiping an idol was a threat to the whole nation. Because we were all in it together, they had a strong sense of being all in it together. And at the same time, it wasn't completely communal. Prophets were personally called over and over. People were set aside individually for a call from God. Well, today we are concluding our worship series on copying Christ, on imitating Christ. And I came upon a story this week I want to share with you. My children, we get these books for them. They're like stories of missionaries. And they're interesting and inspiring. And Ida Scooter was actually one of the first women to earn her medical degree in the United States and then spent her career in India, um, in rural, poverty-stricken India. She ended up opening a hospital, probably more than one. She started a medical school for women in India. Anyway, this is, um, this is a story about her. One day a Muslim woman was admitted to the hospital during a malaria seizure. 
When she recovered, she was embarrassed that she'd been writhing on the floor and flailing at the nurses. She apologized to Ida for her behavior, and then a thought struck her. Tell me, she demanded, grabbing Ida's hand. Tell me why you didn't lose your temper with me when I went out of my mind. Before Ida could answer, a Hindu woman from the next bed sat up and smiled. Don't you know, she chided the Muslim woman, that's what their God is like, long-suffering and slow to anger. Ida's God was recognized through her. We could say it the other way. Ida was recognized as a follower of Christ by the way she copied Christ. And that is what we are called to. That is why imitating Christ is a core part of our faith. Because it speaks to what we believe. It speaks to what we worship, who we copy. And so this worship series on copying Christ, we started with the compassion of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ, that mission-mindedness of Christ, and today we end with the communal nature of Christ. Now, if you Google characteristics of Christ, you're going to look a long time before you find communal in the list. You're going to see all kinds of other things. And I think that's because our, because our culture is very individualistic. It's, you know, it's the, it's the water we swim in. And so we really notice those personal um, callings of Christ. And we miss the more communal nature. Because where you stand affects what you see. I know as, when I've gone to San Francisco and spent a little time with folks from San Francisco, I'm like, whoa. Liberals from Idaho would be called conservatives here. <laughs> and you all who think you're conservatives in San Francisco, you'd be called liberals here. Because, you know, context matters. Where you stand matters. And so we're good at seeing where Jesus speaks individually, and we can miss that communal nature of Christ in the Gospels. Jesus was part of a very communal, collective society. It's those assumptions that you don't even say out loud, like everybody knows that. In Jesus' time, everybody knows that family loyalty is the number one most important. You would sacrifice yourself for the good of your family. So we can miss that. Our assumptions are different. And yet we can hear that communal thinking in Christ when he talks about coming for, for the house of Israel, a singular one body, made up of members, but one body, the house of Israel. So Jesus spoke in that collective. Jesus also spoke to the individuals, to the personal. He healed, or he, you know, when they brought the woman in front of him who'd been caught in adultery, he chose what was best for her and said, you without sin cast the first stone and told her to go and sin no more. Um, the young man who had died and his, his mother left a widow, Jesus healed him because that was best for her, for an individual. So Jesus was collective. Jesus was personal. And Jesus called us to a new collective. We hear 
in the Gospels to leave this family and join this new family. To, that Jesus came to save the whole world and that we are called to this family of God. A new loyalty, a new place of belonging for us. Jesus was both individual and communal. And we're going to be looking at that communal nature of Christ. In our reading that Deb shared with us, Peter gives a speech. It's a speech right at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. So you know the Gospels, we have the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Christ. And then the Gospel ends. And then Acts of the Apostles begins. And it begins with the ascension of Jesus. And right after that, here is Peter's speech in Jerusalem that we heard. And, and we hear Peter do both that, that, that communal and that personal. He had that communal. He was speaking to entire, the entire house of Israel, that same language that Jesus used. And it was individual. Be baptized, every one of you. And it was communal. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far, far away. And then we hear that call to a new community, a new collective. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. And the church was born. This new family of God that we are part of. And that new church cared well for each other. And they cared well for everyone around them. It was a place where individuals were deeply valued and the church, that community, was deeply valued. And so we copy Christ both, both personally, which tends to be easier for us, and communally. We copy Christ with, by attending to our individual faith, to personal prayer, to paying attention to our own spiritual hungers and our own spiritual needs, to owning that personal choice to follow Christ. And we copy Christ in our communal faith, in valuing church, in valuing loyalty, in participation in church because it benefits the church in valuing our interdependence, the ways that we need each other, and actual gratitude for the needing each other because it draws us together. And we let that need pull us together. So when life is scary or overwhelming, or when our health fails, or when addiction is there, or when we're go going through a divorce, or when mental illness happens, that we lean into the church rather than walking away to handle it on our own, that we value this way we are interdependent rather than holding up a facade that everything is okay, and that we value church, and that that is stronger than our own shame, and that we, in gratitude, need each other. 
We copy Christ in Christ's communal nature, where the common good is part of our holy vocabulary, the good of the whole rather than just the good for me. And we do that here at CUNA United Methodist. We, we host the food bank, not for our own good, but for the common good. We host a Narcotic Anonymous group, not for our good, but for the common good. We rent our parsonage to a catch family, a family transitioning out of homelessness, not for our good, but for the common good. And we take this, this valuing of the common good into our decision makings, in, into the ways that we evaluate issues, where we look at the big picture, we look for the common good. And so we support public education, not for our good, but for the common good. We support public roads and public law enforcement, not for our good, but for the common good. We support public libraries and public retirement, social security, not for our good, but for the common good. And we care for each other in times of struggle. We are mindful that we are saved personally and we are saved together. Copying Christ, it transforms our life like it transformed Ida's life. And then people recognized Christ based on how she was, how she behaved. And we go looking to be recognized as Christ followers by copying the one that we worship. The other week, little Clara was gathering up the cushions, you know, and piling them. Cute as the dickens. Later that day, her mom told me a story that she had a, had a rope and she went and hooked it onto their little dog's collar and was walking the dog around the house, giggling her head off. Because <laughs> she was copying. She was copying her parents. And healthy children do that. They copy their loving caregivers. Neuroscientists have identified special nerves in our brains called mirror neurons so that we copy those around us. And every one of us has that same design in us, that we are designed to copy Christ, that in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls that we have been designed to imitate God. Sin is those ways that we resist it. But holiness is relaxing into that way, into that, that design we have, relaxing into the into the energy and the power of copying Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.